This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Um, okay. This week's Pasha is Pasha's Vayigash. Where Yosef HaTzadik says, I need Yosef Oed Avichai. But before we get to that, we'll go back a couple of Pashas. Um, let's see. Let's see. In Parshas, a very important lesson. In Parshas, Mikates, when the brothers come down, let's find the Pasuk. Okay. Before I get to this, so Baruch Hashem today, I don't know how many people by raise of hand were by the CM anywhere? MetLife, Barakli, oh, whoever wasn't there missed something amazing. Something. Mitzvah Hashem in seven and a half years, the next one. You should know that, um, someone told me over that, I have a brother-in-law, Maishi Elephant, he's, um, he gives a Daf Jeremy every day from, through the OU, it's probably the most watched Daf Jeremy in, in the, in the world. And um, so someone told me yesterday, he said, I have to tell, no, today, today, this morning, he said, I have to tell you, I have to give you chizik. I said, what, after Shachos, I said, what's chizik? He said that, that his cousin, a woman, she's 70 years old, and she just finished Shas for the, for the first time. I said, what? He said, yeah, um, seven and a half years ago, she told her husband she wants him to go learn the Daf So he said to her, well, why don't you go learn the Daf She said, okay, I will. And she watched my brother-in-law every single day and she finished, finished Shas. So that's a pretty wild story, but okay, whatever. Um, that's allowed for a woman to do it? Allowed? She wants to sit and learn herself tomorrow? I don't know, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but she did it, I don't know. It's not such a, it's better than watching movies, that's for sure. So, um, that's not allowed. But she did it, and she learned. Um, so I, I, I took away something which I wanted to share with you. I didn't, I didn't, get, I didn't get that much of a time. I was really thinking maybe talking about it next week and digest a little bit. But, um, so, so a few years ago, I was, I was sitting with Rabbi Gamliel Rabinovich, my Rebbe, and, um, dealing with all the kids that I deal with, um, so you sort of get a little depressed. Not depressed, you have this opinion, like a person who's a cancer doctor, and all day long he's an oncologist, all day long he deals with people that have cancer, so then he, you begin to think everyone has cancer. Because whoever you see has cancer. So you start to think everyone has cancer. So when you deal with kids all day long that are off the derech and not keeping Shabbos and out of school and whatever it is, you begin to think, oh my gosh, Clients felt over. It's, it's you know, people all day long. They're like, "What's going to happen to this door? What's going to happen to my grandchildren? Um, you know, we, how are you going to deal with internet and, and technology?" And it's her is so powerful. So it was about two, three years ago. I, I was sitting by Rabbi Gamliel, my Rabbi, and I said, "It's unbelievable. It's not fair. It's not fair." Yitzhar has so many tools. At that time, something new came out. I don't know. It was MySpace, whatever. I don't know what came out, but it was like. Like something new in, in, in the technology. He kind of, you know, he started off with beepers. I don't know if you remember that. We used to have beepers. And then after beepers, he had phones. And then 
Phones were just phones to talk to people, but then the phones start having MySpace, and then uh, um, all the other things that it has today. And it just keeps they just keep out, you know, coming with more stuff and more stuff, and chat rooms and and and, and all this other stuff. I don't even know half the stuff. Uh, TikTok, I don't even know what that is, but I know you're not supposed to have it. Um, so I don't know how it works, whatever. But so 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 I said to my Rebbe, to Wheel, I said, it's not fair. Yitzhar has so many weapons. You know, maybe we can ask Hashem to let the Yitzhar come to our side for like a half an hour and come up with technology to spread Torah. In other words, he's so brilliant when it comes to doing bad, making bad places to go. Let's borrow him and get him to work for us, for the good side. So he gave me a slap in the face. Not a hard slap, but like a, a patch. He says, Mashma, it seems to be, as devaced, you don't know what Tyre is. He gave me Musra, he said. If you think we need the Yetzirah to work for us, to come up with new stuff, you don't know what you're talking about. Tyra is above anything that he has. Right? Borli Yetzirah, Borli Tyra Tavlin. But I walked out of there, I'm like, uh, okay, Rebbe, like, you know. Bottom line is, it's very nice, Tyra and school, and most kids don't like it anymore. That's not interesting, and Shabbos is boring, and everyone's complaining about everything. And I was like, yeah, teach him Tyra. I'm like, yeah, Tyra or a smartphone? Like, yeah, what's the kid going to pick? Like, you know. So, I did, I did, I, I did, I, it was very nice. You're living in Yerushalayim, Rebbe, and you're in, in your house, and, and you're learning Tyra, but you don't know the kids in America. You don't know what's going on in 18th Street and in Flatbush and in the Circle Park and in Lakewood at the Lake and all the other stuff that's going on. It's like, you know, Rebbe, yeah, yeah nice. Yeah, okay. Tyra Tavlin. And, and today, today, sitting in the Barclay Center, which was made for basketball and all kinds of rock concerts and all this other stuff, and the place is full, and it's all Jewish people. And what are we celebrating? We're not celebrating Hanukkah. We're not celebrating New Year. We're celebrating Torah. And 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 ninety thousand people in the ice cold MetLife, freezing, sitting for I thought this program was two hours, one o'clock till six o'clock, five hours. What happened to all the ADD people who can't sit and learn? Five hours. Everyone's sitting there. And, and, and I realized that I'm sitting, uh, I'm dealing with the kids that are off the derech, but oh my gosh, there's many more Jews that are on the derech. There's not a million people off the derech. There's a million people that, that were at Siemashas. Across the world. Everywhere. Million people, million Jews. I'm thinking, it's a hurry, you, you lost this fight. You don't have a chance. And all these, all these, you know, organizations that are that are out there to pull Jews from the Yiddish guide footsteps and all that. I'm like footsteps. You're you're, you're a mosquito. You're, you're you know. I, 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 yeah, I'm dealing with it, and it, it's terrible. What a child, someone goes off the derach. Don't get me wrong. One Jew is too many, but like, don't think footsteps is gonna is gonna take over the, the Yiddish guide. That the Erev Rav is gonna win this war. The Erev Rav didn't win the last war. They're not gonna win this war. Millions of people learning shas. So yeah, I live in a different world because I'm dealing with the other side, but today I had a look at the good side and I understood everything Rabbi Gamliel said. They don't have a, Shatan doesn't have a chance. Yes, there's movies and there's internet and there's kids being Michal Shabbos and there's kids off the derech and there's kids in the park on Shabbos and there are kids who are doing drugs, but 
it doesn't come close to what I saw today. And 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 the, these kids are not happy. They're out till four o'clock in the morning in the cold, chilling, but they're not happy kids. And today, um, in the Barclays Center, they let everyone go down to dance on the main floor. On the floor, I was down there, and everyone was jumping and dancing. And what were they jumping and dancing to rock and roll? To some, they were they were high on drugs. They were high on Tyra. It was amazing. It was so good for me. It was so good for 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 the Jewish world to see the power of Tyra. And and you know there were Holocaust survivors. There was the man sitting next to me in the Barclay was seventy five years old. So they asked everyone to stand up who finished Shas in the seven and a half years. And this man stood up and his son said to me, "This is the first time my father ever finished Shas." Um, he's 75 years old. And, and the young people learning Torah, and then they have these kids that are learning Mishnayas, they learn millions of Mishnas. And they're really happy. It's real happiness. It's not fake happiness. No one's forcing them to learn this in school. This is all out of school. Didn't the, you say that a Holocaust survivor was they didn't, they didn't have a Gemara, they didn't have a Gemara in the DP, Gemara in the DP camp. So when the American soldier came, the American soldier came and he was giving them rations and food, he said, do you have a Gemara above a, above a Kama, above a Matsya, above a Kama? You have a Gemara? He said, yo, Gemara, what do you want a Gemara? I have, you need food and stuff like that. He says, four years ago when the Germans took me out of my house, I was just, I just was learning Gemara. I haven't touched a Gemara, I haven't seen a Gemara. And this soldier, American soldier went and got him a Gemara. And his chi- his son, the, the the son of the American soldier and the son of the of the the, the 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 European who came out of the out of the concentration camp, they were both there today, and he gave him the Gemara, the Gemara, and, and Shmuel Kamenetsky read from the Gemara. Mikam Chisrom. So g- girls, we're not going anywhere. We're 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 good. We're good. We're much better than I thought. Baruch Hashem, and that's that. That's Torah is what keeps Klal going forever. So yes, we do have problems. I'm not making the problems little, but we also have a lot of good. And the greatest part about it is that it's voluntary. In other words, when you're in school and you, you got to graduate, and you need a shidduch as a guy, whatever it is, and you got to be in yeshiva. So, so you got to learn. Once you're married, it's a mitzvah to learn, but you, you don't have to learn. All these people that finish Shas, it's, it's thousands and thousands of pages and days. It's seven and a half years. They chose on their own to learn Torah. No one's forcing them. And they love it. And they all got up and spoke about how much they love it. Why do they love it? There's something in there that they love. And never all these kids who don't have this and people who don't have it, they have empty lives. They don't have anything. Drugs and girls and music and Gaisha music. It's not real. It doesn't last. It's not, what? No, everywhere on the railroad. You go on a plane to Israel, everyone's, they're all, it's, it's amazing. So for me, today, was huge chizik, and it should be for the whole Klai Israel. Hashem should be my Kabbalah and, Atfilos, and, and, and bring Mashiach, because we come to Israel. We, they got, we went through crusades and inquisitions and holocaust and everything, and we're still here. And the, the thing that kept, that's keeping us here, is the um, is the Torah? So we're going to learn some Torah tonight. And I, I was just I was talking to a girl yesterday about this. Um, so I, I I've spoken about this before. I've never met 
in all the years that I'm dealing with people um, from footsteps who don't believe in Hashem and, and atheists, um, I've never met a happy one. And I've met a lot of them. I never, no one ever walked into my office like, what's up, Rabbi? Life is great. I'm an atheist. Never. It's like, Bleh. how do you know there's a God? Who told you there's a God? They're mean. They're, 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 they're angry. Angry. They're all angry. None of them are chilled. None of them. Why? Why are they angry? What are you angry about? There's no Hashem. And you can do what you want. You should be the happiest guy in the whole world. Do whatever you want. Imagine that. You want to kill someone? Kill someone. You want to eat someone? You want to be a cannibal? Eat them. Whatever you want. There's no God. You can do whatever you want. Cannibals, they feel that we're, we're, the, we're savages. They only kill people to eat them. We kill people, we go to war, and we blow people up for land, for oil, for power. And then they can't get over Like, you know, you just killed 10,000 people and you didn't eat one of them. Like, what a waste. It's like, you killed 10,000 cows and you don't eat one piece of meat. You're vegetarian. I saw today a sign, eat a vegetarian, save a cow. Something like that, I don't know. Right? So, so, why aren't they happy, everyone? Why aren't they happy? If you don't have God, and there's no God, and there's no laws, and you can listen to non-Jewish music, and boys, and drugs, and you can do whatever you want. There's no God, so who's making the rules? Right? Why, why aren't you the most happy person in the world, and none of them are happy? It's very simple. It's very simple. If you don't have God, this, this, and I told this to this girl, you have, you have two choices, everyone. You have two choices. You either have God or you don't have God. There's no middle way. It's not like half a God. So, so if you if you don't believe in Hashem, so you believe, th- then you you are. What do you believe? What happened? How the world happened? How's their world? How's their sun, moon, people, animals, ocean? So you believe in the theory. And this is the big, the big physicists are all atheists. They write books on the proof that there is no God. You believe in the, it's called the theory of randomness. That everything in this world is random. And there were these neurons and eons and they were moving around and they bumped into each other and they split and they exploded and earth happened and this happened and that happened. Everything is random. And if you take a mosquito, and he lives a million years, he bangs into the wall, then he swells up, becomes a bird, then it becomes an airplane. If you, if you do the randomness, you do it like 20 billion times, so randomly there'll be one cancer cell, one cell that's going to go off and create a, a sunrise. And then if you do another 20 million times, there'll, there'll be a sunset. And it's just, it's a theory of randomness. So if you take in a chemical, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a lab, and you have a million neurons going at each other, they're gonna, even though it, no, nothing was ever created through this. But this is called the theory of randomness. And what it means is, stuff just happens. It just happens. So people die because things just happen. People have, everything happens, and if you, you time it by 10 million years, that, that's their, that's their theory. Which means, that nothing happens for a reason. If you don't believe in Hashem, there's no Hashgachah Pratis. There's no Hashgachah Pratis. It means no one's controlling what's going on. There's no reason that this person got sick. This person got cancer. There's absolutely no reason he got cancer. Why did he get cancer? He's just not lucky. There's no reason. It's not a punishment. It's not a tikkun. It's not a gilgul. It's not, there's no one controlling it. So, so you're living a life where you don't have money. This one has money. Not because there's a cheshbin, tzedakah, there's another world. There's no other world. Can you imagine? If you don't believe in another world, 
it's so scary to live here. Like what, So you die and you become worm food and that's it. So your whole life is really meaningless. There's no punishment, reward, there's no ganeden, there's no consequence, there's, there's nothing. So how could you be happy? So going through a hard time, right? So what, what happens if, if it's someone's going through a hard time? Where do you tell them? There's a reason for everything. Gamzumatayva doesn't exist in the atheist world. This is also good. It's not good. It's I'm unlucky. It's randomness that, uh, that I'm born a girl. It's not, I wasn't, I was just random that I'm a girl and that I'm not a guy. It's random I was born into this family. It's random because I'm not healthy or I am healthy or I'm poor or I'm rich or I'm tall or I'm short. It has, nothing has any reason behind it. How can you be happy living like that? And then, after you live a life of randomness that has no meaning, you die and there's no meaning. So you're one shtick, no meaning. You're a piece of no meaning. So you're going to walk and say, Hi, Rabbi Wallstein, life's great. This is amazing. I love to be in this world. You're miserable. That's an atheist. That's a person that lives without Torah, without mitzvahs, without God. A person who lives with God. Everything has a reason. I said to this girl, you either live in a world where nothing has a reason, or you live in a world where there's a God and everything has a reason. If you take out a, if you have to put a quarter in the, in the, in the toll for your car, in the meter, and you put your hand in your pocket and out comes a dime, so it says in all the Muslims, that's called Yusurim Shalava. Now you have to go back into your pocket, that took away an Avera. Because you have to go back into your pocket, take another coin. Taking the wrong coin has a reason. Making a left instead of a right has a reason. Stubbing your toe has a reason. Everything has a reason. So you either live in a world where everything has a reason. Ooh, that's delicious. It's a great world. Everything that I'm doing has a reason. And I have a whole life after this. This is the short part of my life. The long part of my life is when I'm not here. Or there is no other life. I'm just worm food. The more I eat, the more they're going to eat. Wow, isn't that great? Yeah, I say hello, Rabbi Wallstein, I'm in a good mood. The more I eat, the more the, the worms are going to eat. That's just beautiful. That's just a great way to go through life. And nothing that I have is mine, and I'm just not lucky, and she's lucky, and I'm not lucky, and I'm just random. It's a miserable life. So why would you choose it, girl? Why are so many kids who jump out of Yiddishkeit, right, or, or this, this footsteps is full of atheism, and that's what they talk about all the time. There's no Hashem. Why are you choosing that? It's a miserable life. Why are you choosing a life of no meaning? There's no meaning. So why would someone choose that? And the answer is, because I want to do a virus. I want to do stuff that's wrong. Now, if there's a God, I can't do that stuff. So I have to get rid of him. So I don't believe in him. So now that I get rid of him, I can do whatever I want. But guess what? You find out that doing whatever you want doesn't make you happy. Maybe for a moment, but not in the long, not in the long term. So that was very much today when you saw the, the beauty. And I, I, I don't remember the last time I I was there, maybe because I was inside this time and I wasn't outside, but I don't remember walking away with such a feeling. And, and, you know, they had this whole thing. Chazan Helfkat said, "Kel Moli Rachman for the six million Jews," and they showed pictures of all these kids and people, and and then they had this this Holocaust survivor who who saw 
his whole family died. He saw everything. And he's sitting there and he's like talking about Hashem and how look at the Torah that came out of the out of the ashes. And, and, and instead of saying, well, there is no God because look what happened to us. It's just the opposite. There was a reason that they went through this and they're able to build Yiddishkeit back into, in, uh, back in America. Just such a, I wish all the girls in this room or everyone that's watching went to, you had to go to see him at day, not for the see him, just to see that Torah makes a person happy. Because we're in school and we're miserable and we're getting marked on it and tests and valedictorian and not valedictorian and what seminary I'm going to get in and what not seminary I'm going to get in. That has nothing to do with Torah. Zero. That's, that's the Western civilization of marks and competition and, and, and today was all about Torah. No marks. No tests. No tests on the Daf Yaimi. There is, there is, there is someone that does that and you get paid for it, but normal, most of the guys that are learning Daf Yaimi, there's no tests. They don't have to get up every morning at five o'clock and six o'clock or ten o'clock at night. There's no tests. There's no one forcing them to do it. And they're so happy and it's like a chevra and it's a group. And it's school. It's learning. They're not playing ball. They're not watching a movie. And some of this Gemara is so hard. Some of it's a lot of fun. There's a Ganatan stories. Some of it is so hard. Erechin and things like so you have to be up five o'clock in the morning. You gotta get your head open. You gotta you gotta think and it's so hard. And the love it's 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 amazing. It was for me it was the biggest chizik of my life today. I, I, I walked out of there, I was crying, I was laughing, I, I, I walked out of there, it was like, and all these little kids, because I, I know all the kids that hate it. Shabbos, they hate it. All these little kids, millions and millions of Mishnayis, voluntary, they're in school, they're learning separately from school, learning millions and millions of Mishnayis, and these little kids, I was dancing with them on the floor uh, of the arena, and they were dancing and they were jumping, for what? It was a movie? It was a Purim? They were drinking? Where was this happiness coming from? All these kids and all these people were so happy. And I said, Satan, eat it. I got angry. I was like, you think you're going to win? You are not going to win. You don't even have a chance. Yeah, there's problems in Flatbush, and there's problems here, and there's problems there. And, 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 and it was very much the Kleisrol in the Midbar. He picked them also. There were, there were Jews inside the cloud, and there were Jews outside the cloud. And it says, when Amalek came, they took, he picked the ones that were struggling, the vulnerable ones. And they were left outside the cloud. They were left unprotected. It's nothing is new. There's nothing new. But most of Klai Yisrael was inside the cloud. Today, we saw a side, millions of Jews, millions and millions of blood of Gemara that were learned voluntarily. So, we, I'm Yisrael Chai, and we're not going nowhere, and we'll be here for Mashiach. And yes, there are kids that are suffering, and there are kids that are outside the cloud that Amalek is after, and, and my bracha to them is that they should see the beauty. I wish they would have all would have been dancing on the floor today. See the beauty and the happiness of, of not, of, of being connected to Hashem, and of believing that everything that happens in a person's life has a reason, and that's, and, and that gives a person a reason to live. Not like the other way, where there's just there's just nothing. Which brings us to Pasha's meat case. That's so far what I digested from today. Stay tuned next week. Well, maybe we'll have a little bit more. But that's just first look. It was amazing. And I was in the little place. I was in the Barkley. I wasn't in MetLife. I heard MetLife was... <sighs> yeah, about maybe a little bit more. 
the, the, the MetLife had 90,000 people. 90,000 Jews. And someone said something interesting on my way out. So uh, I'm sure none of you went to a hockey game or a basketball game. Or you probably, you're all, you know, very firm girls. You don't, you don't go to things like that. So maybe on a date they took you to a hockey game. But So if you ever go to a hockey game or a basketball game, there's a crazy amount of beer drinking or, or a football game. The beer is going, beer, cotton candy, chazotreif. They're eating burgers with cheese. I mean, they eat and drink. And today, today in the Barclays Center, not a cup of, of alcohol. And, and I was thinking, like, the, the, the guy that worked there, they see this place, 10, 20,000 Jews and MetLife, and they're not drinking. Not, not a glass of, not, what, were they, what were these people thinking? Not a glass of alcohol, not a beer. Not there. I don't know why they didn't sell food. They didn't sell any food. No food. No soda. No beer. A bunch of Jews sitting in a room for five hours in their seats, behaving. And then when they said everyone go down to dance, everybody walks down to dance. The place is dancing. They say, "Okay, dancing over." Everybody goes up to their seats. These guys must have been looking like, "What? What's going on here? What is this?" Like, what? what? And, and they listen to speeches for five hours. These people. There's no way they could understand. And then, interesting, you were there, right? So Shmona Esrei, so you have 20,000 people in this arena, and in MetLife, 90,000 people, and then when they dive in Mincha, and they come to the quiet Shmona Esrei, there's not a sound. I'm like, how do they understand that? There's, there's 20,000 people sitting, standing in the Barclay, talking to a book. Their lips moving, not a sound coming out of their mouth. For 10 minutes! 90,000 people, not a sound, not a pin drop in the stadium. Everyone's diving to Hashem. Ah, you can't get that in the park. You can't, you can't, you can't. You can't get that out of a movie. I don't care. You can't. You can't get that out of a rock and roll soundtrack. You can't, you can't, you can't get that. 90,000 people without a word. Because you can't talk in the little Shmon And then they did it by Myrav again. I was like, Mashiach, I don't know if you're going to start in the Barclay, but like, how could he not come today? I don't know. How could he not come today? Everybody said that. I said that. I walked out. All the, all the, grand, the, the police and everyone, I said, thank you. Ooh, thank you very much. You think they get a thank you after a Nick game, after, after the Nets play, play basketball? You think they get a thank you? But I'm saying there was no beer, no guzzling, no, and you know what? Most people even cleaned up after themselves. I saw them throwing it in the garbage. We come Chishol. You know, we don't even know who we are. We have no idea who we are. So between the two, you had over a hundred thousand people. Not one drink. Not one cigarette. Nothing. Just Tyra. So I didn't understand when Gamliel slapped me, but now I understand. He said, "What do you? You, you, you need the Satan. We have Tyra. We need the Satan. We're way past him." I said, "I said Satan, you're you're good at what you do, but you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna bust us." Look what we have, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And 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 that story, was, they said a story over today about this kid who came to the um, who came to MetLife last time with his father from Baltimore. So it's a four-hour drive. They got there, and the father said, "Let's go down to the tzaddikim that are already sitting there, right?" It's like it's like lahavdo. Like when I was a kid growing up, so I would go early to the game. So I could go down to the bottom and get the autographs of the players. Not because that's what I was, right? But here, 
the kids are getting the order, they're getting brachas from the tzaddikim that are sitting there. It's like a whole different world. And no one's forcing anyone, and that's from the yeshiva, just normal guys. So the father said to his son, let's go down and get, let's go down and get the, get, um, brachas from the yudalim. And the kid's like, ta, I'm, I'm tired, I, I really don't want to go. So his father said to him, if you go, I'll buy you something special. He said, yeah, okay, deal. So they went down, they got brachas from the Gedalim seven and a half years ago. So they're on the car back to Baltimore, and the son says to the father, Ty, I thought about what I want, I know what I want. The father pretty much told me he could ask for anything he wants. He says, what do you want? He says, I want you to learn Shas so that the next time we go, we're not just spectators, but that you'll finish Shas. And he said, he said, I had to pull my car, I had to pull the car over. This kid was like 13 years old. He's like, and he had to pull the car over. He said, that's what you're asking, not a bicycle, not a trip to Florida. He says, no, next time, seven and a half years from now, you never learn chess. I want you to learn chess. So he was it. He was in MetLife. And so he was sitting next to this kid that now is 20 and a half. He was 13, now 20 and a half. And he said, I finished chess because of my son. And now the next seven and a half years, my son, that was a 13 year old, took on to now learn with me and finish Shas again. We get this. We get this. You don't get this. You just don't get this anywhere. Yeah, we kill with the operations. He finished, he finished one second, right. Just, what should I tell you? So I got a crazy amount of chizik. If you could get a, a video of what went on today, you should get a video of it. I think they're good. I might be carrying a video. Maybe tour anytime. I'm not sure. But you should definitely get a video of it. It will give you Huh? It was live stream. I don't know now what they have. Yeah? Okay, so. Wait, where do you see it? Ura's website. Okay. So if you have a smartphone, you don't have a flip phone like me, then you can, might as well use it for something good. And, and, and check it out. And you'll see whatever I'm saying is the truth. Very crazy chizik for Klaistral. For the good side. Today, the good side showed off. The good side showed off today. And Baruch Hashem, Rabbi Gamliel was 100% right. I did not understand when he said it, but now I do understand. Okay, let's look at something very, two very, three very fascinating things um, to talk about Yosef HaTzadik. We're in the middle of Yosef HaTzadik. Vayesha, Potiphar's wife, and then Miketz, and now Vayigash, where Yehuda tells Yosef, I'm going to kill you unless you let my brother go, right? Okay, we're going to go back a little bit. So when they first came down to Mitzrayim and Pashas Miketz, you can look this up. It's in Pasuk Chaf Aleph, Perek Membez. So they're, 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 they're having all kinds of problems. And on the way out of Mitzrayim, they open up their, their sacks and they find the money's back in their sacks. And, 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 they're, they're, and, and they're, they're having a lot of problems. And they're, they're thinking about why they're going through all these problems. This guy, they didn't know it was Yosef, is telling them that they're spies. And, 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 he want, and he put Shimon in jail and he put them in jail for three days. So this is so they're talking amongst themselves, not knowing that, that Menashe, who looked like an Egyptian, who was Yosef's child, knew Ivrit, knew Hebrew. So he understood all the stuff they were talking about. They thought they could talk in front of him Hebrew. They didn't realize that he was the son, that he was a Jew, right? They didn't realize who he was. So they're talking. And and one man says to his brother, We did a very big sin with our brother, Yosef. We saw he was in pain. When he begged us. 
and we didn't listen to him. They're all talking amongst themselves. You know why we're in trouble? You know why we're going through all this? Because Yosef begged us, and we didn't listen to him, and we sold him. But that's not why they're in trouble. What they should have said is, you know why we're in trouble? Because we sold our brother. Not, not because he begged you and you didn't listen to him. You're in trouble because you sold him. So why didn't they say that? They didn't say that. Again, they said, Ashamnu anachu alachinu. We sinned against our brother. Asheri'inu tzeras nafsho. We saw him in pain. Bizchanan ayaleinu. And I'll tell you that I used this this week. It didn't work, but I tried. Bizchanan ayaleinu. When he, when he begged us, and we didn't listen to him. So, why didn't they say that we're in trouble because we didn't, we sold them? The answer is that even at this point that they were going through problems, they believe they did nothing wrong. We passed in halacha that he was he rebelled against the malchus by saying that our father bowed down to him and therefore he was chayv misa. We had a bezdin, we passed and he should die. That's not why we're getting punished. We're right about what we did. Why are we getting punished? Because the bottom line is, this is a very big lesson. I'll tell you what happened this week with this. The bottom line is that even if you're right, they said they were right. But if your brother begs you for Rachmanis, you should have listened to him. What a crazy vort. That's an unbelievable vort. You're right. We passed, that, 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 that's what they were saying to each other. And then Yeruvain said, I warned you, don't, don't sin with this little boy, and you didn't listen to me, Yeruvain said, you should have listened to me, he begged for mercy, and once he begged for mercy, we should have let him go, but you guys didn't let him go. So we learn from here that even if you're right, the brother said they're right, but they realized that we're right, but he begged us, he was in pain. Poor kid, he was supposed to die, you're right. And he begged us to let him go, and he was in pain. And if someone's in pain, another Jew's in pain, and they're begging you, even if you're right, you're wrong, if you don't listen to them. What? Right. So this is... They paskin, but this is a very deep, very deep thing. There's a halacha, meanwhile, Bezdin never killed a Jew. Right? You're supposed to say, Shabbat, they always found a loophole. So there's a way to find a loophole. Bezdin, uh, the Gemara says a Bezdin that, that killed one Jew is called a killer Bezdin. When all the halachas of Skilan, Shabbat, all that, Bezdin never killed a Jew. So, so, a girl got kicked out of school. And they're 100% right. What she did, she, uh, she did something, Barabim, and, 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 and if they, if they, if, did the school have a right to throw her out of school? Absolutely. But I decided I'm going to try to get her back in, and the school is not doesn't want her back in, so I'm going to go to the Rebbitzin and and read this pasuk. Even when you're right, if the person's begging for mercy, you have to have mercy. So this was my perfect pasuk. So I'm going to go in there. And that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, look what happened to the brothers. They were 100 percent right. But they realized that if someone, that, that, that Yosef begged them, you're right, I'm supposed to be kind of, but I'm begging you to let me live. And they got into all this trouble because when a Jew begs you for, for, for help, and you, even if you're right, you're wrong. Which we had a shir a long time ago called, when you're right, sometimes you're wrong, when you're wrong, sometimes you're right. But it's not tonight's shir. So I'm going to tell the Rebbitson, listen, you're right, she deserves to be thrown out of school. But she's begging you to come back. 
You don't want to go through what, what the brothers went through. You don't want them to take your kids and put them in jail and try them, right? So I figured that might work. So I was all set up. I was supposed to go yesterday. And then the girl decided she doesn't want to go back to school. So there went my whole drush. I, didn't, I don't have an end of the story to tell you if it worked or not because she didn't want to go back to school. So I'm st- I have a great excuse and I have nowhere to use it, Baruch Hashem. So it's a very, it's a very crazy. There's, some, there's unbelievable lessons in these parishes. Yeah, you're right. The person's begging you. To, oh, you're right. I made a mistake. I did something wrong to you. You're 100% right. You have a right to be angry at me, but I'm begging you not to be. And the brothers realized that we, that, and that's what Reuven said. Reuven said, you know what the sin was? The sin was not that we sold him to Mitzrayim. The sin was that he begged us with chain. He begged us and we didn't listen to him. And they all understood that. They all came to that conclusion. So, just because you're right, if another Jew begs you for forgiveness, you don't always have to be right. You always have to be right. They were right. Look what happened. They were right. Look what happened to them. Okay, that's one, one thought. Another thought, very fascinating thought. So, so they left Mitzrayim the first time, right? And what happened? Right at the gate of Mitzrayim, they, they opened up, oh no, when they got home. They opened up their bags and, 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 and what's it called? And, um, and the stuff, the money that they used to pay for the goods to bring back to Yaakov were in there. He opened up his sacks to give food to his chamor. He said, oh my gosh, in my sack is my money. And it was the exact money that he used, right? He, he spent a thousand dollars on food. There was a thousand dollars in his bath. Uh, we're in big trouble here. Something, something's wrong. What did Hashem do to us? That now we have stolen money. We have stolen money. You know, we, this is this is Mitzrayim's money. This is Yosef's money. So and he told them everything that happened. Okay. Now they come back to Mitzrayim and they want to give Yosef back the money. Okay. So what does Yosef say to them? Let's go back where they come back to Mitzrayim. Well, first of all, also very nice, which is really tied to this. It's, it's brought down in, 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 in a Sefer and a Muna, right? So when Yaakov sends him down the second time, he says, I want you to bring a present to this king. This, he didn't know it was Yosef, right? I want you to bring him a present. We have to bribe him. We, we, we've got to bribe him. We've got to get Shimon out of jail. And, and we, and, 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 and we've got to bribe this man, right? So he says, Bring him a present. Right? Yaakov had, knew how to do that. He sent a present to, to Esau also. He knew how to, how, to, how to bribe him, right? Now listen to what he says. Not because he was cheap. What should you give him? Ma'at sorry u ma'at dvash. Give him some nuts, some spices, some honey. Why does he say ma'at? He's cheap. You're sending, you're sending, you want to bribe someone. Give him a lot! He said, give, give, him, give him a little honey, give him some nuts, a couple of almonds, give him some, uh, a little candy. Like, give, what do you mean give him a little? You're trying to bribe the king of Egypt. You're going to bring him a little nuts and almonds? So he brings in this safer that a person has to do some, has to do something, right? You have to do your what? What is it called? Your, your stadlis. 
But but only the smallest, if you believe in Hashem, you only have to do the smallest ishtadlis. He said, I don't want the brothers to think, I don't want you to think that we can bribe a person if Hashem doesn't want. So we have to bribe him, but we don't have, we don't have to give him a lot. The ishtadlis is that we have to bribe him. But ma'at, he wasn't cheap. He said, ma'at, just give him a little, whatever it is. We have to do the ishtadlis. Hashem will take care of the rest. So he didn't, you know, if you give him a million dollars, he'll listen to us. No, no, no. You can give him two dollars. If he's supposed to listen to us, he'll listen to us. That's, that, that was his, that was his amuna. But I want to tell you, so they take the Mishnah, they take the Mincha, Mishnah Kesef, and they take the money that they found in there, and they want to give it back to him, right? So they come down, listen to this. And they tell him, well, they tell Yosef, they, they, they were nervous because they, they, they didn't want Yosef to think they stole. We came down to get some food. We came to the hotel. We opened our sacks. Weird. Everybody in his sack was the amount of money that he spent. The nation was to be in there. We want to give it back to you. We're not stealing. We're not going to have them. And we brought more money. So we want to pay you back what we found in our basket, in our, in our sacks. And we brought more money to buy new stuff. Listen to what Yosef, now Yosef is a guy, right? They think he's a guy. Mitzrayim, king of Mitzrayim. But Yomu, he says, Shalom Lechem. Everything's fine, peace. Al-Tiro, don't be scared. Now remember, this is a guy telling the Shifteka. Don't worry. What does he say? Your God and the God of your fathers, of Yaakov, right? Decided to give you a present in your basket. Like, why didn't they say, like, uh, Hashem doesn't do that? Do magic? That we, we, we paid you money and now that I, I gave a check to the bank and then I found the check in my, in my, in my, back in my wallet. I'm not going to say Hashem put the check back in my wallet. Something went wrong here. Someone put the money in my wallet. Hashem didn't put the money in my wallet. Something's going on over here. Yosef's telling them, oh, don't worry about it. Your God and the God of your forefathers, oh, he put it in the basket. And the brothers don't answer him back. Why don't they answer him back? And say, no, no, Hashem doesn't do that. <laughs> We paid you gold, you put it back in the basket. And the answer is, they were on such a level of a mood that's brought down in the safer that they agreed with him. That Hashem could put money back in my, in my sack. Not you, but Hashem. So when he said that, they didn't answer back like, that's impossible. Right? If I, if he would have said it to me, I would say, that's impossible. Hashem doesn't put checks back in my wallet after I, I went to the food store and I paid him a hundred dollars and then I walk out and the, and it's back in my wallet. I'm like, this guy is a magician. Slip a hand. I don't know what he did over here. But I'm not going to walk out and say, Oh, Hashem, you put a check back in my pocket? But over here he says, The God of your fathers, the God of you, you, your God, your God of your fathers, he put the money in your sack. And they didn't come back and say, No. Because they were on a level of bitachon. Yeah. Yeah, Hashem put it back in my sack. And there's no discussion about it afterwards. It's just the muna that these, that these brothers had were amazing. There's also one more beautiful, one more beautiful thing I want to say in Pashas Mikesh. I've said it before, but it's so important. It's so important for all of us. And that is, 
when Binyamin came down, it says the following. I spoke about this last night in Lakewood. He saw the brothers came down with Binyamin, and they came, they brought him into the house, and Yosef, He lifted his eyes by Yaris Binyamin, and he saw Binyamin Achim Ben Imo Binyamin, the only other son of his mother, his brother. Is this is this him? Is this the guy that you spoke about? Yosef, and Yosef couldn't handle it anymore. He rushed because he had such pity on his brother. We're talking about Binyamin. And he needed to cry. He needed to cry. Why did he cry? He needed to cry so much. He, he went, ran into his room. And he cried there. The, the psukim are very detailed here. He, he cried so out of control that his, his eyes were swollen that he had to wash his face. Person, you know, if a person has to wash their face that no one should know they were crying, they were really crying. And the Pasik tells us he went into a he needed to cry. He found a room. He cried very detailed. But Yichatz Panov, and he had to wash his face. And then by then he he walked out and he said, Let's eat. He cried three times in this parish. Three times he cried. But it never says that he cried that he had to wash his face. I said this last year. Why did he have to, why did he cry so hysterically here that he had to wash his face? So it bothers Rashi. You're talking about not a little boy here. You're talking about Yosef. He's tough. He's very tough. He's the second, he's the second to the king of the world. He doesn't play games. He's very tough on his brothers. You're out of control. What happened that you lost it? You had to fight, run to a room and cry hysterically. What happened? So it bothered Rashi. So Rashi says the following. So when he meets Binyamin, says Rashi in Pasuk Lamed, Shualu, Yeshlecha Ach Me'ima, do you, he asked Binyamin, Yosef asked Binyamin, do you have a, a brother from your mother? Amalo, yeah, Ach I had a brother. He's talking about Yosef. But I don't know where he is. Binyamin's telling the king of Egypt, Yosef, I had a brother, but I lost him 22 years ago. I, I don't know where he is. So Yosef says to Binyamin, Yeshachabanim, do you have children? Amalo, yeah. Yeshli Asara, Binyamin had ten sons. I have ten sons. Amalo, Yosef says to Binyamin, Mashimam, what's their names? Amalo, Bela, Becher. So Yosef says to Binyamin, Amalo, Mativ and Shoshem, those are weird names. What, what kind of names are those? Why'd you give those names? Amalo, Binyamin tells Yosef, who felt as we've spoken about in all the other weeks, that he was not one of the brothers and nobody cared about him, right? Matavakesh. Amalo, Kulam al Shem Achai. Binyamin tells Yosef, I named every one of my children after my brother. And the pain that he's in. 
Bela, I call him Shnivlam and Umos. He swallowed. Bela comes to the word Bala, to swallow. He swallowed somewhere amongst the nations. Bechesh, who He was the firstborn of my mother. Ashbo, Shibo, El. I don't know exactly what that means. Something about God. Gora, Shinizgaya Bachsanya. He's a, he's a, he's a ger somewhere. He, he lives somewhere. Namman, Shayinoyim Biyose. He's very beautiful. Comes from the word Noah. Achai, Vireish Achai, Hoya, Vireish Hoya. Mapim, we call him, one other kid, Mapim, Mepi Abi Lama, because he learned from my father's mouth. The Chupim, here's the one that got him. The Chupim, I call another son, Chupim, Shaloi Rochupasi, because he never saw me get married. The Loi Reisi Ani Bechupasai, and I never saw him get married. So I have this boy named Chupim to remind me that my brother didn't come to my wedding, and I didn't go to my brother's wedding, wherever he is. Arad, Shiyarad Lamein Umois. Arad, because, because he went down to the other nations. He's down somewhere. Says the Gemara, in Saita, Lamed Vavamabez, Miyad Nimkurachavav, when he heard this, Yosef fell apart. And he cried hysterically. He had to run out of the room and cry hysterically. Why? Why? Because when a person thinks that nobody cares about him, and nobody's thinking about him. That is the worst feeling in the world. Yosef is lost. Nobody came to him. No, no one came looking for him till now. 22 years, nobody came looking for him. He figured nobody cares about him. And when he finds out that during those 22 years, he has a brother that doesn't even know him, who named 10 of his children after a brother he doesn't know, that every time he calls any one of his sons by name, he, he's going to remember Yosef. That's why he did it. So he called the Mupim Yosef. Yeah, Yosef. When he heard that he had a brother, a younger brother, that cared so much that he named every one of his ten sons after him, he couldn't deal with it. And he just went into a room and didn't stop crying. Because he realized that there was a person in this world, his brother Binyamin, that didn't want to ever forget him. How important it is to let the people who we care about in our lives know that 24-7 we think about them. And they're always on our mind. And we're always thinking of them. The toughest guy, Yosef was tough as nails, fell apart when he heard this Rashi. It's a Neudik Rashi. When he heard that his brother never forgot him. How important it is for us that the people in our lives that we love, they should know that I never forget you and I'm always thinking about you. And he, it's like you named things in your life to remind you of those people. Amazing. He had ten sons. And he, it's not like, okay, I'll name two kids after you. He named all his sons after him. No matter what son he called to his room, he's like, oh, Yosef, that's Yosef. That's remind me of I have a brother that's swallowed up. I have a brother that's a gear. I have a brother that I didn't go to his wedding. Oh my God, I didn't go to his wedding. Oh my God, he didn't come to my wedding. He named a kid after, he didn't come to my wedding. Imagine you have people didn't come to your wedding for whatever situation and you name your kids after that. <laughs> to remind you of the pain, I, she couldn't make it to my wedding, she wasn't well. It's an, it's an unbelievable Rashi. And it bothers Rashi, like why is he washing his face? Because he was so, I guess it's tears of joy, not tears of pain. It's tears of joy to find out that his brother really cared so much about him. Okay, we'll end tonight, this week's Pasha, in Pasha's Vayigash.
So, after Yosef tells his brothers that I need Yosef so the brothers go back to Yaakov. So let's see what happens here. Vayalu mitzrayim pasach chavav perek mem hey vayalu mitzrayim they came out of mitzrayim vayavo eretz kanan they came to eretz yisrael el Yaakov avihem to Yaakov their father vayagidul can you imagine this he thought he lost his son twenty two years vayagidul loylema oid yosef chai who sang that serach bas asher right told that's why she went to Gan Eden alive she said oid yosef chai not only is he alive. He's the king of the world. He didn't believe him. Why wouldn't he believe them? He didn't believe them. Why didn't he believe them? Why didn't he become happy? Right? They said he's not, not only is he alive, ta, but he's the man. He's a man. He saved the world. So, why lay him in life? Why didn't, why didn't, why didn't, he believed him when they said, Tarak Tarak Yosef, Yosef's dead. Now they're coming and say, we found him alive. Why didn't he believe them? Now listen to what happens. They tell him something. So they, when they said Yosef's alive and he's the king, they, he didn't believe him. Now, they're giving him a message. And they're telling him, as called Gibra Yosef, some message Yosef sent to Yaakov. And now they're repeating the message. And when he saw the wagons that Yosef sent, and Yaakov believed them, got his Ruach HaKadosh back. What were these words, girls? So, he, he believed them that Yosef was alive. He believed them that Yosef was second. They're not going to lie. They're not coming back to lie to their father. They're not making up stories. He believed them that he was running the home at Shrem and running the world. But he did not believe that he was still from. So by Yafak is Liba, he said, I don't care. Coming back and telling me that he's alive and he's a Mitzrayim and he's a king? Ugh. That's not what I want to hear. So he says, especially in Mitzrayim, especially, how can he be a from Jew and be, and be on that level? He must be a Mitzri. To be the king of Mitzrayim, he's gotta be a lowlife. You didn't tell me, Oh, Yosef Chai, and he has a yeshiva, a kailo, then he would have been happy. He said, no, oh, Yosef's alive, and he's the king of Israel. I said, the worst thing you could have told me. It's the worst thing you could have told me. Yes, your son is alive, and he's the governor of California. Oh, wow, great, thank you. So, nothing against California, just to give you an example. All the Californians are going to call me. So, what was the message? So, he sent them these agolas, these wagons, because the last thing that Yosef was learning with Yaakov was the din of Eglai Rufa. Now, what's Eglai Rufa, girls? If you find a dead Jewish body, right, outside of a city, so and you don't know who murdered the, and who murdered the person, the city itself has to bring a carbon 
for forgiveness that they allowed this murder to happen. So the, the, the body, the closest city to the body, you take a, an egla, a, 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 a calf, and you chop its head off. It's the egla arufa. You have to chop its head off. And that's a kapara. Why? What did they do wrong? We didn't murder him. We didn't murder him. So the Gemara says that because there's a din of levaya, when someone leaves your house, you walk him to the door, and you walk him a few feet out of the door, that's a protection of malachim that go with you, and then go with that person wherever they're going, and that protects them. If someone got killed, is murdered outside of a city, that means that the city didn't walk him out. So they didn't have error by not walking him out. And therefore, there's a din of, of Egla Rufa. When the last thing that Yaakov saw Yosef, what did he do? He sent Yosef on a mission to his brothers. So Yosef was leaving the house. And Yaakov walked him out. But Yosef turned to Yaakov and said, why are you walking me out? The halacha of walking someone out is only a guest. You don't have to walk your kids out. When your kid leaves the house in the morning, you don't have a dinner. Leviah is of a, of a guest in your house. Yosef said to his father, I'm not a guest. Why are you walking me out? So, Yaakov said, you see from Egla Rufa that it's a shmira, a watch for the person who's leaving, and you're going to see your brothers. It's a dangerous trip because they're not so happy with you. So I'm going to do an extra mitzvah of Leviah, and therefore I'll, I'll, I'll be with you. Even when you leave, my neshama will be with your neshama, and that will give you a special protection. That's the last thing they learned. Yosef sent a cryptic message. and said, ta, the reason... The reason you walked me out is that you should be with me on my trip. Well, that trip that you walked me out on took me to Mitzrayim. I went to my brothers, they took me, they sold me to Mitzrayim. So the whole time I was in Mitzrayim, your neshama was with me. That's why you have to do the mitzvah of Leviah. So your neshama was with me and I didn't change. So when Yaakov saw that, that his neshama was with Yosef all the time, and that's where it says, Ma'ra Yosef, what did he see? He saw, the, he saw his father's dikun al-shalavim, because his father did that extra myth to Leviah, he said, you don't have to worry, the reason you walked me out was to protect me, even though you don't have a chiv to, uh, and a family member to protect me, but you walked me out because you knew I was going into danger, so that you would be with me, so to say, your neshama would be with me, well, here's the Egla Rufa, it stayed with me, and therefore I didn't, I didn't sin, and when he heard, when he said that, Oh, but the Chiruach Yaakov Aviyam. Then Yaakov became alive. He got his life back. So I want to end tonight after giving everyone a bracha and after being in the scene today, which is a crazy chizik, is that it says in the Gemara that on Tishabov, when the base of Medish was destroyed, that the Shechina went into Goloth with us. The Shechina is still in Shechina by the Kaisal. Shechina is still in Golas. The Shechina didn't go back to Shemayim. When the, when the Beis Hamidish, I'm not going to get into that. The Shechina, Hashem, whatever, it's one, it's whatever. But when, when, when the Beis Hamidish was destroyed, Hashem went to Shemayim, and the Shechina, which is part of Hashem, stayed Ba'aretz, and the Shechina is in Golas with Klai Yisrael. So, there was a din of Levaya of the Shechina going into Golas with us. And just like Yaakov Avinu, even though Yosef went into the worst gullus in the world, Patifa's wife, in the dungeon, and living in Mitzrayim with the lowlifes of all lowlifes, but because his father did Leviah, because his father walked him out of the house, and walked, and so he stayed with him all the time, Yosef HaTzadik was able to say to his father that he was still the Yosef HaTzadik, and that brought back the life 
to 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 Yaakov Avinu. Today, Hakadosh Baruch Hu saw that because the Shechina did Levaya with us, that Taka the Shechina was still with us, and even though we have internet and movies and 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 and, and technology and all this terrible stuff, we're living with Shrayim. We have Potiphar's wife. We have the dungeons. We have everything that that he had. But the, the bottom line is, Hakadosh Baruch Hu should know after watching today that Vatipoim Ruach Elokim. Hashem's Ruach Elokim, his Ruach, of course he's always alive, but his Ruach, the freshness of seeing that Klai Yisrael, that yes, we were in Mitzrayim, but, but we didn't, we didn't let go. We didn't let go of the Leviah, we didn't let go of the Shechina that came with us, and that he's, st- that is still with us, and that Oy Yosef Chai, Yosef is still alive. And in that Schuss, the first Mashiach that's going to come is Mashiach Ben Yosef. Then comes Mashiach Ben David. We should all have the schus on the Oy Yosef Chai, the Yosef is still alive. At the point, Ruach Kim, the Ruach of Hashem should, should be, wake up and, and, and realize that, yes, millions of daf and millions of Mishnayas and his, his and, 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 and a football, a football stadium that has 90,000 Jews that are dancing and singing and, and, and people with numbers on their arms that went through the Holocaust and the ashes are sitting and saying, no, we're still here. And he, they, they, they made many points that the Germans, the Nazis, called us Talmud Juden, Talmud Juden, the Jews of the Talmud, and that they burnt specifically the Gemara. That's what they, they were, and they realized that our strength is, is Gemara, is the Talmud, is the Torah. And, 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 and Baruch Hashem, the, the Talmud Juden, that, that the stadiums of Nazis got together to destroy us, the final solution to destroy Klai Yisrael. Now the stadiums are not stadiums of death, but stadiums of, of life, stadiums of Torah. And that's what we saw today, and that should give us all a chizek, and we should see Mashiach ben Yosef Bekarov. Thank you. Good evening, I'd like to invite families, girls, to come to an amazing Shabbaton in Mitzvah Hashem, February 28th, in the multi-million dollar beautiful hotel. I went to see it, the Raleigh in the Mountains. Um, 27 hours of learning and music and everything that you know what Ornava Shabbaton is all about. All you need to do is call 718-O-H-R-N-A-A-V. And we're also... It's not even going to cost you any money because we, we're, we're giving raffles and if you sell a certain amount of money in the raffles, then you just take that money and you pay for your hotel. So you can actually come pretty much for free, just raise money for Anava and you're in. So call Ham at 718-O-H-R-N-A-A-V or go online to Ornava.com and we'd love to see you. We don't have that many rooms in this hotel, much less than we usually have. So it's really first come, first serve. Do not wait till the last week. Because it's not like the other hotel where I could just keep getting rooms because they have like 400 rooms. We have half of that. So first come, first serve. Hatzlacha, and we're looking forward to spending Shabbos, Parshas, Truma, two days after Rosh Chodesh Adar, February 28th. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.